Hi, welcome back to Let's Talk About Race. Today we're discussing what it means to be Latinx. There was a language, there were the parameters. I could step in now. That was the liberation for me. I'm not even talking about the past. I'm talking about the present. It's not an accusation, it is a plea for the life of this country. Instead of eliminating the causes that create that condition, he tries to cover it up by accusing his accuser of teaching hate. People don't hate each other, and people start talking to each other, and then they start talking to each other, they find out who's the problem. It's when the talking ceases that the ground becomes fertile for violence. So keep the conversation going. Hi, welcome back to Let's Talk About Race, the podcast where we do away with yelling in favor of in-depth discussion on the nuance of race relations in this country. Today I'm joined by Cristobal Salinas, Associate Professor of Higher Education at Florida Atlantic University. Professor Salinas, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Now, I came across your work, and it seems a lot of people have come across your work for what you've published in the realm of the term Latinx, which is a term that I think right now is very much in the public conscious because it appears to be used by news politicians like Elizabeth Warren, President Biden, and there appears to be some sort of disagreement among the general public as far as should we be using that term and what it means. And so I'm very excited to kind of dive into that term and understand all of its nuance. Before we do that, let's start right at the beginning. Can you give us an introduction and a brief history of the term Latinx, where it comes from, and what its intentions were when it was created? Yes. So let's let's put it this way, right? So we have Latino, Latina. And then the two terms that allow us to self-identify that way. But then we have a new term, which is Latinx, which in the way that I describe it is Latinx is a term that disrupts binary notions of gender, and it is a noun for individuals who do not identify with a men or women binary. So for those that do not identify with a Latino Latina, then we have a third space, right, that allows people to self-identify with. So I have to start back and, and give context to when the X was used, right? Uh, within relationship to the term Latinx and within the Latino Hispanic community. So in the files that I have gotten a hold of and in the literature review, academic literature review, a lot of people have identified that the X was used to disrupt the Spanish language uh, by a Puerto Rican psychologist. Uh, For example, instead of having los niños, las niñas, they use lax niñex, right? But I haven't, that document keeps being referred Throughout the literature review, I have not seen this document, and I don't have a year connected to that. But the term Latinx uh, was first used in 2014. Uh, but also, we noticed when the student organization, the Chicano CACA student organization at Columbia University in New York, changed the the their name from Chicano to Chicanex CACA student organization, following by changing the Latino Heritage Month to Latinx Heritage Month. And that received a lot of attention in social media and platform. And part of the argument that we have seen throughout the uh, scholarship and also here in the conversations that uh, I engage with in in academic spaces, that the X aims to be inclusive of people who who do not identify within the gender binary. For those that identify outside of the men and women. So I understand that concept as far as the X and Latinx being terms that are used to disrupt the traditional gender binary within Spanish. My question is, does the term Latinx refer to 
everybody who was previously Latino or Latina, or I guess who is Latinx specifically? So my research started to really focus on what it is Latinx, not who it is. Because I think when we use it as who it is, it becomes an identity, right? And when people call me Latinx, it's like, well, that's not my identity. When I in- interview people and I engage with people, I ask them, how do you self-identify? And this is college students. And they said, I am Latino or I am Latina, right? But as a community, everyone else is Latinx to be inclusive of all. But when I asked them, well, how, how about you? And what was interesting is that Latino men said, I can be Latinx, but I am Latino. But I don't get offended if I get called Latinx. While women, Latina women said, I am Latina and everyone is Latinx. But I do not want to be called Latinx because I do not want to erase the history that Latina, Chicana women have had in the United States. I don't want to lose my identity. I am a woman. But I understand that everyone else can be Latinx. So I think the term came, when we use the term Latinx to include the whole community, uh, has been used to unify us, right? Because this is something very important that, um, that we have to acknowledge. I don't necessarily use the term Latinx for myself because I'm already privileged that I can identify with a Latino. But I do use that term Latinx and or other terms, because I'll get into that in a second, because this community of people that, who do not identify with a men or women binary exist. There are friends, there are family members, there are colleagues, and there are our students. So we need to use this terminology to include them in the conversation and not erase them from our conversation. Okay, so if I understand correctly, it seems that there is both a term for self-identification, you can be Latino or Latina, and there's also a term for group identification. You're saying that they say everyone else is Latinx, including me, when referred to as an aggregate. Is that correct? Within the term Latinx, yes, right? But I think part of this is this is where it gets complicated. We can see in the literature view how people use it to uh, be inclusive of the LGBTQ, non-conforming gender, gender queer, non-normative gender, gender non-specific, gender free, gender neutral, non-binary, gender, gender fluid, and trans. There's a lot of, uh, of terms that people are saying of who is inclusive of. But when I was engaging in, 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 collecting, in, in collecting data, when I was interviewing people, um, I came to ask is how is Latinx misgendering or gendering people? Because one of the things that it came to, to my attention that there were trans people who do identify with that gender. We have Latina transgender women or Latino transgender men that, that said, do not call me Latinx because that's erasing my gender. Well, there are other communities, that, uh, trans communities that said, yeah, I'm Latinx because that represents who I am. But I think me engaging in, in this research and with these participants, it really make me question my own research, but also make me question how I use the term Latinx and who are we really aiming to be inclusive of. But also uh, uh, to, to add another perspective is that I fear that if we continue to use the X for everyone instead of the specific gender pronoun with which participants or community members self-identified with, we will soon run into the same problem that the X will simply serve as substitute for the O in Latino and so on. And consequently, it will lose its significance and meaning as a term that was created, claimed, conceptualized, embodied, performed to disrupt the colonial ideas of a women and men, gender binary and language hierarchies, right? 
So right now you just touched upon the intention of Latinx to be a term that's inclusive to people of all genders. It's an attempt to ungender a language that has a masculine, feminine, gender binary. Um, but you're also saying that there are transgender people who do not feel it represents them. So I guess my question is, and I'm, I'm still trying to determine this, is who are the people who are bringing about the use of the term Latinx? Where is it getting propagated? Um, is there any evidence as far as how has it become pop more popular in the last couple of years? Yeah. So let me give context to first how I came to do this research, right? And one of, as a Latino male, cisgender, uh, I started being called Latinx, right? And I, I did not know what it meant. So I had to question, what does this mean? Why are people calling me Latinx and why are people using it in social media? And when I say social media, it's mostly my social network that are connected to higher education institutions, to universities and colleges. So I think there's something uh, among these lines or these arguments that people that are more likely to use it are people that are connected to education, higher education. But something important to this is that space matters. Space matters on how we're using this language, right? Because when I asked my students, the participants that I interviewed, they said, um, I only use Latinx in higher education settings or with my, uh, uh, when I go to the uh, multicultural office on campus or the social justice, just social justice um, office, because if I don't use it in these spaces or with some of these communities, then I am being called out. I feel like I'm being policed. And I don't take it back home because back home, my parents, my grandparents, my family members are still struggling between what is the difference between Latino and, La and Hispanic. So if I bring a new term, it's like a battle. It's already the battle of the terms. I don't want to create a, a, a more complex uh, battle, right? But the other thing that came out when I interviewed people, when I was interviewing students, when, when they said, some students said, yeah, this term is only used in higher education spaces. So they're also seeing Latin, Latinx as used in most, some communities outside of academia are seeing the term Latinx as a privileged term, as a term that is being used in elitist circles, like highly educated people or people that have access to higher education settings. And it's like you all academics are trying to colonize us, are trying to change our terminology. It's very interesting to hear you talk about the intersection of uh, vocabulary and terminology as it relates to education, uh, generational divides, geography. And it's something that I've seen outside of this interview as well in both publications and personal anecdotes. And so I'm curious if you could help us a little bit understand and unpack the difference between the usages of the term Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, specifically as it pertains to who is using those terms and why different people who might otherwise identify under the similar uh, grouping might disagree on what terminology is correct to refer to them. In, in one of the new papers that I have coming out with my colleague, Aguilar and I, we talk about how the Hispanic, Latino, Latina, Latinx, uh, uh, Spanish-speaking communities have made a significant contributions in the United States, and that is why we started borrowing the term Latino, Latina from the Spanish-speaking communities in academic spaces to represent the influence that they have made or that we have made in the United States. And one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, and, and usually by younger generations, why are older people not wanting to use the term Latinx? 
And I think this is because the older generation has already been uh, has been through this name change, right? If we look at the USA Census, um, uh, they were first self allowed to self-identify with a country of origin, uh, and or uh, other than Spanish. And I mean, we can keep that, that track of that. But then uh, the USA Census started using Hispanic, and then Latino, right? So this terminology, this community went through this change already. So this is very important, right, because space matters, right? So when I engage with people from Texas, when I presented the term Latinx, they engage differently than when people from California. Because when I engage with people from from Texas, they said, um, students from Texas, no, I grew up being Mexican, Mexican-American, uh, or Tejano, Texan, right? So in some of the students said, but it's not until I moved outside of Texas uh, that I went for graduate school, uh, that I learned about the term Latino. I was for, I was called Latino as part of my identity, and that was hurtful because people named me Latino without me knowing what it was. Because I grew up knowing my self-identifying as uh, Mexican American, uh, Tejano, uh, or Hispanic, but then they call me Latino. In some students, it was that that was shocking for them, right? Uh, so then one of the students, a couple of the students said, now that I'm reflecting and thinking about this, I, see, I wonder how do the community feels now when I call them Latinx, that they don't know what it means. The other thing, perspective to, to add to this is that because some communities, some people are seeing that term Latinx as a U.S.-centric term. So when I travel outside of the United States or when, and when I engage with people on how they use and or understand or know about the term Latinx, uh, they said, well, I don't know what Latinx is, but we use the term Latine, Latinu, or Latin. Because Latine, Latinu, and Latini are easier to pronounce in other languages, in this case in Spanish. So I'm really happy you brought that up because it's a point I've heard a number of other people speak on, which is the pronunciation of the X itself in Latinx is something that makes it a little bit difficult for a variety of communities internationally, um, primarily Spanish speaking, but there are a number of different languages that are spoken in countries in South America that would be classified as Latinx. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? So language plays a significant role in this conversation, but again, these conversations have been only in the mainstream languages uh, that we speak within uh, in academia, and that would be English and Spanish. One of the, the things that I bring in my new research is that uh, while the, uh, that the X works both in Spanish and English, uh, but we have not made an argument how it works in other languages that are spoken in Latin America, right? So we have Belize, Brazil, French, Juana, Guyana, and Suriname that speak other languages, right? And for example, when we think about the Portuguese language, the X is pronounced in eight different ways. So that's something else that we have to consider. So one, and one of the things that I think about is that the term Latinx and Hispanics aim to do the same, to eliminate or to erase uh, people that do not speak Spanish, right? Uh, so we need to be conscious of that as well. The other argument that people have made is that every time we use the term Latinx, uh, we are rooting these conversations around indigenous communities. Right? But we have to keep in mind that in Latin America, there's over 37 language families, 448 languages, and 70 of them are unclassified. So when I engage from, with 
Latino, Latina, Latinx, and or uh, they self-identify different ways, uh, college students, they said, some of them said, yeah, I'm Latinx because of my indigenous communities. And some of them said, do not call me Latinx because my indigenous uh, uh, community and language, uh, they don't use the X in their alphabet. For example, we have the Quechua, the Garifuna, and the Purepecha, and there are other indigenous communities that don't have the X because, again, we haven't done a critical or well, a good analysis of how the term Latinx works in other um, Latin American people's languages. But also, when I was in Puerto Rico, and this plays a significant role in, in these conversations, when I was asking people, as a historian, uh, I asked her, like, have you heard about the term Latinx? How do you feel about it? And her response was, here we go again, the United States creating new terminology uh, to trying to name us. But she also said, it's like the United States is contam contaminating like our language, just like they have contaminated our politics and our land. So it's very fascinating to hear you touch on that concept of... Uh exporting U.S. language, or in this case, the professor's even saying colonizing uh, language. So following up on that, when you go to countries, let's say you know, Colombia or Peru, how is it that they self-identify? Or you know, what would be the terminology that they would most prefer to be used? Uh, in the, in, uh, using your example as Colombian, right? Using their uh, country. And we know that Latinos even in the United States rather self-identify with the origin of the country mm -hmm. than the ethnic label terms used in the United States, in this case, Latino. Okay, and separating out um, ethnicity from gender identity, could you envision a time soon in which we would see people refer to themselves as Colombian X or Peruvian X? How would you imagine that the country-specific non-gendered terms would come about? So I have seen like uh, Colombian X, uh, Mexican X in, in social media, in Twitter in particular, right? So I have seen that. But I also have seen, like for example, from uh, outside of the United States and other countries, how they are using the E, U, or I, not the X, to say I am Colombiane, Colombian, uh, instead of saying Colombiano, Colombiano, they're saying I'm Colombiane or Colombianu. This is all very interesting. Um, to hear in process, one thought I'm having is, despite anyone's best intentions, it feels that this could be a little bit complex and might be confusing to individuals because there's a number of factors to take into account. We're looking at people of different countries, different generations, um, different genders, all prefer different terms, both of self-identification and group identification. And so I'm wondering if you were in a case, say you're President Biden, and you want to address a large group of people in the most respectful way possible, what is the best term to use? Is there even a best term? Or is there a process that you could try to establish what might be the appropriate term for a given audience? Um, I know that a lot of people sometimes can be concerned about coming across the wrong way or come across offensively and so avoid a topic altogether and what I'm trying to understand is when there is something like Latinx or the broader concept of referring to a group of people from you know the region of South America is there a effective and positive way to try and determine 
what's appropriate for a specific individual? Yeah. So one of the things that I always emphasize, because I get a lot of calls, I get, I get a lot of questions about what do I use, right? So again, I am not the Latinx police because, you know, I think this is my, happens to be my research and something that I'm very interested in and passionate because it is so complex, right? There's so much to it. So we actually need more people to engage in these conversations and do this type of work. I, I, I always tell people it's better to ask than to make assumptions. In this case, how they self-identified, right? And I think that's more at the individualistic level. When we think at a, uh, at a community level, then I I don't have a right answer. And speaking, I always tell people, use what you feel more comfortable with. However, you should be able to um, provide a definition if you're using another term that it's not commonly used or known by the community that you're speaking with. My proposed term in writing is Latin asterisk, borrowing from the trans asterisk community. So that is in writing. But I will never say you are Latin asterisk, right? Because it's an all-inclusive term that considers the fluidity of social identities, but also Latin asterisk, uh, pronounced Latin, is not a gender identity in itself. It creates a space that encompasses gender fluidity and identity labels that already exist, as well as those that have yet to be included in the mainstream vocabulary. Because we have Latine, Latina, Latini, Latino, Latinx, and, and, and there's other ways that, that people are self-identifying, but they're just not a mainstream. I want to ask this question because I think it's important to discuss, but what would you say to individuals who just ask why? What is the importance, what is the need to constantly be adjusting terminology? What's wrong with using Latino as it's been currently used? One of the things that we have to acknowledge it is that if the labels create hierarchy, right? There's an oppressed group and a marginalized group. And I think people are feeling that with our current, um, not only currently, but we have historically been marginalized from different aspects, right? So it thinks about finding our space and finding, uh, feeling valuable and seen and heard. So we must remember that terms labels exist for us. We don't exist for them, right? But to this is, any term can mean anything or nothing. It is all connected to how the user uses and understands the term. But again, that can mean different things to different people. And for some people, it means nothing. And for other people, it means everything. So the term Latinx, Latino, Latina, and, and, and so on, the terminology can keep going on. And you know, those are terms that are also unify us as a community. But the other example that I like to use is that why it's so important to use the term Latinx, Latine, Latinu, or Latine, right? Because when people pronounce, mispronounce our names, we get offended. We all, oftentimes we correct people. And this is what people are doing. When they are misrepresented their gender, they, that I feel like that's why people are reacting to it. Well, I am uh, Latino, Latina, or Latinx, right? Or Latine, Latinu, however, self, they self-identify. So that's the other thing that I see happening. I find that to be an incredibly powerful way to articulate that as someone who has had their name mispronounced my entire life and I've really had to struggle to make my teachers and coworkers and a number of people say my name correctly, I can only imagine the frustration at having at being misgendered and having people mistake my identity constantly. So 
Um, I really appreciate you verbalizing it that way and, and helping others to understand why this is such an important topic, even if it comes with a lot of nuance, even if it might be complicated and take some time. Having someone feel comfortable in their identity is something that is extremely paramount and I think deserves all the attention that it's getting. The final question I have for you is one I ask all of my guests, this podcast being called Let's Talk About Race. If you could have my audience have one conversation to better their understanding, what would you have them talk about? Uh, I would ask people, what is your privilege and what is your, how are you marginalized and oppressed, right? Because I think that is the conversations that we all, that we're always afraid to talk about ourselves. But before we engage in this conversation, we really need to understand how are we impacted and related to these conversations before we make assumptions of how people are being impacted, right? So I always encourage people to educate ourselves on what it means to us before we make assumptions on what it means to others. That's very well put. And I really appreciate you putting it out there in terms of thinking, how do I relate to a term? How does anyone relate to a term? I can speak for myself personally. I've been doing research for about a week before this interview. I never once considered how do I relate to the term Latinx. I kept thinking of myself as external to the community. I didn't really think about my own privilege, ethnicity, nationality, gender identity, um, and how that relates to the term Latinx, even if I am not myself Latinx. So I thank you for bringing that up. And that I think is an excellent point that will resonate with my audience as well. With that, I'd like to thank you again for your time. This has been a tremendous conversation. You've been a great wealth of information, and I hope to have many more conversations like this in the future. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. For those of you interested in learning more about Dr. Slings' work, I'm going to have his website as well as his Twitter linked with the episode on my website, www.letstalkaboutrace.net. And as always, if there's any topic you think I should cover, feel free to leave a comment, reach out to me on my website, or tweet at me. I just made a handle, L-T-A-R underscore podcast.